0: This is Wheel Bearings. I'm Dan Roth from Forbes. I'm Sam Abu Al from Navigant Research. And
1: I'm George Kennedy from the Boston Globe and gurus
2: All right, well, welcome, George. Uh, you are automotive uh, bon vivant and uh, all around. Um,
1: Well, Dan, with the big words, don't waste good words on me. Just come on; (laughs) those are not the best words. Don't worry, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but they're French, so I like that.
2: Yeah. uh, So we're we're just gonna jump right into the cars. Um, So this week, uh, Sam, you are you drove a couple of cars. Um, The Veloster N is what I'm really interested in, but uh, you had also the Honda Civic Touring. So it sounds like it's been kind of a sporty time for you
0: yeah well the the civic touring you know um i've I've driven multiple civics before including the one that resides in our garage on a daily basis uh you know we have a a 2017 uh civic hatchback uh, ex hatchback and uh you know i'm i'm a big fan of the the current generation civic the 10th generation civic it is such a huge jump over the prior couple of generations um you know not everybody likes the design. Personally, I'm I'm fine with it. I like it, um, and and my wife certainly likes the the hatchback, uh, which is why we bought it. Um, you know, and the, the touring, you know, the Civic Touring is the the, the premium trim level of the uh, of the Civic lineup. Aside from the the Type R, uh, you know, the and the one I was driving was the uh, uh, sedan. Uh, with the uh, 1.5 liter turbo and the CVT, which, you know, is is a, is a nice combination. It's a great engine. Um, you know, the the CVT is, is one of the better ones out there, I think. And, you know, it's got great driving dynamics. And one of the nice things on the, starting with the 2019 models is they finally replaced the uh, infotainment, or placed, replaced the head unit that was in there when it launched in 2016. Uh, so it no longer has the, Uh, The touch, uh, capacitive touch buttons for the uh, volume and tuning and and so on, Um, they've now got actual physical, a physical uh, volume knob. That's good because the capacitive touch one sucked. Yes. Well,
1: I was going to ask if the one that you guys own personally, if it has a volume knob.
0: It does not have a volume knob, but it does have the volume rocker on the steering wheel spoke on the left spoke of the steering wheel. So that's which what I don't did, hate. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's what that's what we typically use is the one on the steering wheel. Spoke. So you
1: get to control the volume. That's that's also yes. nice. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, well, actually, I mean, it's it's my wife's. Car. I mean, she's the one that primarily drives it. I only. All right, so I'll
1: be. I'll, I'll yeah. I'll be a little more you know open about. It. The driver gets to control the volume. Per yes. Chance. Correct.
0: Yeah. And, you know, in the touring, you get uh, leather, leather seating and leather-covered steering wheel and all that stuff, which is nice. You know, we, ours, ours is an EX, so it has the, the cloth uh, seating, which is also really nice. You know, it's, it's comfortable and grippy. Um, you know, the leather seats are great. Honda always makes really comfortable seats, really supportive seats, which, you know, I've always liked. Um, and, you know, it's just a generally fun car to drive. And, you know, it's fuel-efficient, too.
2: Yeah, and that's why I say it's been been sporty, you yeah.
0: know? And there's no big wing on the back. There's you know. No, you know, <laughs> now, you, know if you could just drop a Type R engine into
1: that. Now you'd be talking. Are you you probably well, we could. just <laughs> It's funny because that's like not outside of the realm of possibility considering like past versions of the Accord coupe with the 6-speed manual and the V6 like it's it's been done in the past where they've done High feature yeah. engines and kind of comfortable trims. I like this trim because when you talk about like what's affordable for people these days, I mean, what this is like a could be what a $25,000 car. Yeah, this, this one,
0: this one is pretty much loaded with just about everything available. It came to like 28 and change. Um, okay. the, the, one, the one cheap, we have, but the one we have was 24. um right. Yeah. You know, but you know, you can you can get a really nicely equipped one for twenty four or twenty-five grand. You know, like ours, you know, that was twenty four thousand, it has a sunroof, it has the driver assist package, you know, with adaptive cruise control and lane keeping assist and, and all that stuff. Uh so, you know, for even even for that twenty four, twenty five thousand dollar price, you know, basically if you if you can live without the leather seating and a few other premium trim
1: options, yeah, twenty five is absolutely doable so the genius about that car is you know we talk about what's affordable what's aspirational if you're a young professional looking for a first car it's you know the civic is so good in this space and that it's so spacious for a compact car it almost sort of you know breaks the definition of a compact because it's that i don't know if you felt it was that spacious inside but like if you're somebody who's looking for reliable comfortable daily transportation there's no incentive for you unless you have kids that need a you know you need a back seat to go up market to the accord the civic you know well you know a well optioned trim like this should suffice
0: right and you know that's something we've talked about before and I've written about in the past is that you know over time you know all you know pretty much any nameplate you can you can find you know ha- with each succeeding generation usually gets bigger you know so a civic today you know, is, quite, is larger than an accord was, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. Absolutely. And, and even, even the fit today, uh, or even, the, even going back to the first generation fit a decade ago was larger than the first generation accord was 20 or 30 years ago or 40 years ago, whenever it came up, 40 years ago, 40 years yeah.
1: ago. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> C- you know, that is crazy.
0: crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, even, even, even a fit, you know, is actually a shockingly roomy car for four adults because well, of the way are fantastic. it's acted. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it remains my favorite small car. You know, it's, it's the one that I always, when somebody is looking for a, a small car, you know, like a B-segment car, the Fit is always the one I recommend.
1: Right, and what's funny is, like, I do this uh, – I'm sure you guys do the same thing when family members or friends try and ask you for car advice. You do this, like, choose your own adventure. First of all, you don't say that car is terrible because if they're asking your opinion, it means they probably already bought it. And they, they bought it, for right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, but, but when it comes to, like, the fit – so I do this, like, choose your own adventure. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm in New England. There's a 99% chance they actually got a Crosstrek or a Forester. So let's figure out if they did that. If they didn't do that, what's the next most usable vehicle? And that's the fit. Mm-hmm and then some people just
2: don't listen anyway they you know
1: oh god yeah i mean i was telling
2: i was telling someone like oh if you like uh sort of quirky cars hatchbacks i i recommended the toyota chr to someone and then um so next time they they mention why it, would you do that? Because it's fine. Because he
0: knows that nobody's going to listen to his well, suggestions anyway. That's that is true. As, that is as very you said. True. They, they ask they they they're when people ask they're more often than not they're looking for affirmation of what they've already decided. Right. Ra- this is like than the Seinfeld where
1: this is like the Seinfeld where they're looking across the street at the lady like canning herself. And Elaine's <laughs> like, Yeah, I'm I'm I got in the space shuttle. I'm going to Mars. Okay, pack a good bag. Like, yeah. no one's listening. Uh, well,
2: this is, like, <laughs> but, yeah, no, this is my lament. Um, <laughs> uh, the answer I got back was like, "Oh, what did you get? I got a mini."
1: <laughs> like, well, oh, here's the, okay. That's a good point, Fine. though, because like, right? Think about like what's quirky, which is like versus what's like feigned quirky, and like the the mini covers a lot of those bases. The CHR is funny because the CHR was, if I'm not mistaken, was supposed to be a Scion before they folded that up yeah, yeah it so, but when they originally showed it as a concept it was in fact a scion right and but the, what's cool about that car is like and i know i just bagged on it but like it corners and it breaks right. really well right. this it is what i was saying like it drives zero and, muscle zero it, muscle
2: it drives surprisingly uh and not just pleasant it's like surprisingly satisfying it has yeah. no power and it has a CVT. it's like a modern but, mg it's it's fine and so uh, i i just i like i liked you know it's it's got some some little things to delight your design sense and other than that it's a toyota so you know I'm it's trying not to burn.
1: think back we did a we did a car gurus video on it like last fall and uh, there were some things that bagged on it like i feel like they may have done some very mitsubishi interior things which oh, the is like interior is not good
2: yeah i mean yeah it's,
1: like okay. the, the controls like you guys want to talk about like haptic and not haptic like there were some things they were doing that are not good and they need it's in desperate need of a interior refresh
2: well toyota's going to fix all that stuff when they roll out um what is it is it a carplay or android auto they're rolling
1: out well uh, the both. avalon There's, camry tacoma all have carplay as of this year i think right
0: yeah and and actually some of them also have android auto now um so and they're they're increasingly adding android auto to the 2020 models
2: i have a i have a funny story about carplay which i will hold for a little while because um i also, want to know now that you've done the sort of economy car thing. Although the, the Civic Touring always feels a little sporty, every Honda has that like it's got a little sport bike in it somewhere.
0: Yeah. Um, well, and and particularly the current generation have more of that. You know, they they seem to have lost that for a while, but they they got it back with the current generation.
2: Yeah. So how does it, well, I guess it doesn't really need to stack up, but, but so you stepped out of that and you got in the Veloster N, which is getting raves from everyone. I haven't driven it yet. Um, but what's your take on that?
0: Uh, I, I like it a lot. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's been described in some places as the, the poor man's type R. Um, which, you know, to, to some degree It, it is um, That's not too far off, yeah Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I really like the current generation Veloster And the, you know, the N Is the first of the These N-branded performance Models from Hyundai, and they're going to be adding A bunch more on some of the other model lines Over the next couple of years uh, So, you know, the End branding for for Hyundai, uh, you know, in this case means you get a two liter turbo with 250 horsepower or or 275 if you get the the performance package. It remains front wheel drive. Uh, It's got um, dynamically adjustable dampers. Uh, You know, there's an electronic limited slip differential on the front. Uh, it actually has pretty decent steering feel, which is surprising on, that, on that's modern, surprising our, in Hyundai too for that Hyundai, was, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that
2: was always the thing where they'd have like they'd be ninety seven percent there, and yeah. you're just like all the pieces are here, the powertrain's good, but it just the steering's numb and the controls don't work together as as harmoniously as
0: they should so that that sounds on, like that's on, on the, the velocity so. end that it all works together really well uh you know from a from a design perspective you know if you like that sort of mini shooting brake style you know it works well and it's actually practical you know the back seat is you know you can actually have a couple of adults in there although it is awkward for the the person who's going to sit <laughs> behind the driver because it's a three door uh so there's it no it still
1: has a crazy door set up yeah
0: it, it has the crazy door set up which means you got slide. All the way across over, and, and it's a, it's set up as a four seater. So there's fixed there's cup hump. holders in be, in between the two rear seats. So you got to slide over the the little hump and oh the cup God. holders. Uh, but it's not so
1: bad. They should uh, have gone like Scion IQ with it. with like the yeah. offset seats, right?
2: Yeah, I can't believe sucks. I'm
1: invoking the Scion IQ really? for anything. Really,
2: so. the Scion yeah. IQ, which is pronounced <laughs> "ick," by the way.
1: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm not doing that, but,
0: but. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I drove the Veloster N um, from, uh, from my home near Ann Arbor to Pittsburgh, uh, last weekend to speak at a conference and then drove back yeah. again. And, you know, so put about 600 miles on this thing and, you know, it was a lot of fun to drive and, you know, for, it, you know, it's got multiple different drive modes, you know, so you got normal and eco, uh, when you're driving, um, you know, for going on a long highway drive, I just kept it in either normal or eco mode, uh, because there's also a multi multi multi-mode exhaust system on there. When you put it in sport or in end mode, it gets considerably louder, uh, which, you know, if you're going to be behind the wheel for, you know, four or five hours, uh, you probably don't want to be dealing with that the whole way. But, you know, once it's time to have some fun, you know, when you put it in end mode, you know, you get some of that, you know, that, that, uh, you know, the the little backfire, you know, when you're shifting, um, you know, it, it sounds fun and it is really fun to drive the and. Yeah, you, know, you can also feel a distinct difference in, especially in the suspension, when you sh- when you switch it over to N mode, the dampers get substantially firmer. Um, there's some speed bumps in my neighborhood here, <laughs> and when you drive over them in normal mode, it's pretty, it's fine, it's 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 quite acceptable. Uh, the ride quality is the ride quality is good, even though you know it's on these skinny little you know tires you know, with about a quarter of an inch of sidewall. Um, but then as soon as you put it into N N mode. Mode, you know it becomes like a rock you know i mean it's it's it'd be great you know if you're on a smooth curvy road but you know if you're hitting bumps and eh, not so much well you're the, supposed
2: to slow down
1: yeah <laughs> come on Dan. I, I just love to hear that they actually have like really discernible modes because there are a lot of cars that the they get. Modes, modes but there's not really any difference yeah, so here, yeah you get, exactly you actually so I, feel the difference so i do have two questions yeah. one was this car peri- like robin's egg blue. Oh, what's it this, was. This sort of yes.
2: it has this sort of evocative golf livery. Yeah.
1: Yes, oh, yeah, for sure. And two, yeah. just to use the analogy, the for M because I'm still trying to get a read on like what M is going to is excuse me, N is going to mean for Hyundai, is this like M235i or M2 as opposed to the rest of the 2 series? Uh,
0: I would say more more M235i.
1: Okay. And I think that's as that's far size. as we're going to go given yeah. what they are.
0: Yeah. I mean, for, for that brand, I mean, someday, who knows, maybe they'll do something that's more M2, uh, but I don't, you know, I don't think the brand is quite ready for that yet. Uh, Right. You know, that, that performance blue color, that pale blue color that you mentioned, you know, that is the signature color for the N brand. And so when you get, when you get any of the N brand or any, any of the end models, you know, you'll have things like, um, matching, uh, seat belts in that same color. So regardless of what the exterior color is, you'll get those blue seat belts. There's blue accents in the interior, you know, and it looks pretty cool. You know, blue contrast stitching on the steering wheel and the, uh, the mode buttons on the steering wheel are also in that same shade of blue. So it, I it, am
1: it's, a sucker it's, for it's those such. things. Like those, something like that, where there's differentiating it. Like, you know, if you're picking a color or you do, like little well, and things i'm just a stupid sucker for those things i hate that i am but it exists no
2: the, the detailing is really nice i'm I'm looking at it now on the website and that's the thing that stands out is just how how thoughtfully they've made it feel special because it, it is a special model uh and so you know like i, I think that's that's warranted um did, did the one you drove uh they they're available in manual did you have a manual
0: oh yes it was a manual yeah. And uh, it, it has uh, it, there's uh, you can switch on uh, rev matching in there, uh, which works really well. Um, what else? Oh, the you know the kind of a couple of details that uh, about it, you know the interior the interior materials are all hard plastics. there's no soft touch materials in there um, which you know some people might not care for, but you know you also got to keep in mind that this thing starts at 274. Uh, which is a good ten thousand dollars less than a Type R. Uh, you know, it's not quite as quick as a Type R, but it's pretty damn close. And you know, for for ten thousand dollars, I could live with the hard plastics. The 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 only other thing that um, was kind of a pain for me the the seats. You know, they're manually adjustable seats, and they're limited pretty much to just height fore aft and seat back angle. So there's no lumbar adjustment. And after like four and a half hours in the car. Um, you know, I could have used a little bit more lumbar support, but you know, that's just me. It's just the shape of my back, right. I guess. Um, you know, yeah. most people would probably be fine with it. Other than that, the the rest of it's great, you know, and I, I like that you know the the thing the, the design uh things that they did with it, like the the spoiler on top of the rear hatch is a lot more subtle than a type R spoiler. Um, you, know, right. but, you know, the things that they've done, you know, like the red accents on the rocker panels and on the front fascia. I love it's, that. It's really right. cool.
1: Yeah. Well, the nice thing is at least they can, d- you know, deliver on the, the image of that as opposed to like, Hey, I got a Subaru Forester turbo sport thing that has the same little pinstriping. It still yeah. has the, the little, you know, whatever engine. What, what, so it, I drove the turbo last fall. And what's interesting is I, think you know you mentioned the manual seats i think that's a bit of a decontenting compared to some of the other trims if i'm not mistaken like you can get the I, power I seats. I think so too yeah i think on the uh like if you get the the regular veloster
0: like the ultimate uh trim right right and uh you do get some of those things so i think you know they were they were focused here you know on trying to provide the most performance the most bang for the buck
1: the 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 t- the the GT2 RS method would take everything off and add, add more to the price. <laughs>
0: and then right? it you more to put it back in. <laughs> yeah. <then.
1: laughs> well, so what's funny is like if you take all that stuff away and you look at like a turbo ultimate like you described, that's compared to the Gen 1 Veloster to this, it's the same silhouette, but it's a far more conventional car in a lot of very subtle ways. So if you look at the center console of the Gen 1, it looks like a Mini Cooper, like a candy machine level center console, this looks like it could be the center console on a Sonata. And a lot of the controls are more conventional. I, they realized like, okay, we can make an unconventional car without everything being weird, right? Right.
0: Yeah, uh, it's probably cheaper. So it's than, unconventional, okay. but still very usable.
1: Right, absolutely. It's an unconventional uh, platform or silhouette or formula, but the the day-to-day usability things have become far more mainstream, and I'm always in favor of that.
0: Yeah, and I'm just looking at the prices here. The, so the Veloster Turbo Ultimate actually starts at twenty eight, uh, a little over twenty eight thousand. So the the N is cheaper than the the Turbo Ultimate. Um, so it's you know it's a relative bargain performance machine. So and there's and, no torque steer.
2: Okay. <laughs> but, so Veloster N it. versus our benchmark GTI. How does it how does it
0: shake out? Ooh, uh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, the GTI is probably going to be more expensive. Um, yeah, Not much. Yeah, you know, I think the, the, Veloster N, the Veloster N is going to be quicker, um, but the GTI is going
1: to have a nicer interior. Yeah, you know, as, as Right, and it's more conventional. I feel like the Veloster with, like, Hyundai looked at that and go, wait a minute, they have a quirky, offbeat car, but they're using an extremely proven conventional platform to do it. Let's go a little bit more mainstream again. Right. Yeah. So I, th- I think, you know, if, if what you
0: want is something that has a little more premium feel to it, um, then actually the, the GTI starts at 27.6. So it's almost exactly the same starting price, but the GTI is going to have a, a more premium feeling cabin, but it's not going to be as quick. So if you want, if you want to get a little more performance, you know, at the expense of, you know, some of those materials, you go for the Veloster end, you know, and, and also, you know, if you want something that looks different, you know, the golf GTI for, for better or worse looks like a golf, you know, you will all, you will instantly recognize it as a golf right. you know, and, and that's both good and bad. You know, there, you know, there's that shape that's been there for you know, almost 40 years now and it will, you know, it'll continue to be there for the foreseeable future.
2: Yeah, at least – so uh, Hyundai can manage to maybe not box themselves into a box. They, yeah, exactly. You know, they get, like, a you know, high-performance shoe instead. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well,
1: but what's funny about it is from a styling standpoint and, like, the performance level, like, it, it's less of a GTI cross shop. And maybe, you know, listeners or commenters could, could weigh in, like, is it more of a WRX versus Veloster M oh, cross shop? Be.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: That's- yeah. Probably, I, I would say that's probably a better comparison. Who do you
1: see somebody vaping in first? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Listen, you don't, you don't want to vape. You just brought to you by Monster Energy drink. Right. Like <laughs> Jesus, you're gonna get it sued. Uh, <laughs> you uh,
1: you can block all that out if you. like.
2: Well, you know what? Like I think it's actually it sets up a really nice uh, transition. Um, cause while Sam was driving the Veloster N I had the, uh, the new Subaru legacy. So the 2020 legacy, um, and it's, uh, it, and I know you had it too, George. So it's, I, I will say that overall, uh, it's a really solid update. It feels really yeah. good to drive. It's great on the road. Um, it's a, a really good size. It's the 2.5 liter FA engine. So it's not all that powerful, works okay Mm -hmm, but it really like i was like i could really go for a turbo here um although the week before i had which they offer yeah they do and the week before i had an ascent and i felt like that was actually kind of jumpy and and crappy and like less not not is that the same
1: is the the subaru's engine the the ascent engine is the same as the high feature engine in the legacy is that correct I Think so, it's the 2.4 yeah. liter turbo, so it gets a little yeah. deep
2: board and it's um, you know, it's got the turbo on it, uh, it, but it it just like the throttle response of that one felt like too much. So, this one, while it's a little down on power, it's not it's not exactly slow, it's just everything right. that's so friggin' fast. Uh, and it, you know, it, it's fine, it gets 30 miles to the gallon. I had a really hard time actually getting the tank empty in it, and I drove this
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you tried. Well, what's yeah. funny is like. You're right. So that is the base engine, and like it's enough. And when you want to kick, you know, kick your heels into it, it gets there, but it makes a lot of noise. Yeah, it definitely made, right? makes right.
2: And you know, that's the thing is, Subaru like talks about they're like, oh, it's smooth, and I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. You've got yeah, a, a wait. Flat who made pit.
1: who made a who made a smooth boxer engine? Not you guys. it's well
2: so the layout it it doesn't have the rocking or the vertical motion that an inline four is just going to have there's no way you can like get around sure
1: but there are far different ways that people like reduce NVH. that yeah you
2: know that's the weird thing it's like they've got this inherently smoother engine that they make it like sound kind of funny <laughs> and, and they let all that noise come through the firewall and, and which
1: some people do on purpose by the way yeah. when 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 the new uh wrx came out and they had even rockers length, yeah, uh, yeah people were going and modding them so that they had the uneven so it would have that weird rubber br- 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 sound yeah, and i'm horrible. like you know what? That's that's like the basically the exhaust version of the people who leave or add exhaust uh, the packing strips on their uh, SRT chargers.
0: Right, and like, it's it's fine. Like whatever it's you big, want, like like the one down the down the block from my house. <laughs> oh, <laughs> is it
1: purple yet? Because the new ones are purple.
0: Uh, no, this one is uh, like
1: dark gray and black. Oh, but then well, no, I mean the uh, the oh, packing the strips. Oh no, no, plate. they're they're yellow. Yellow. So, so here's the crazy thing. So we heard that the new packing strips—not to go off subject—but the new packing strips are going to be purple. And on no joke, I was in Newport last weekend for the uh, Newport Concord Elegance, and I saw an SRT Challenger come down uh, the main main drag there, and you could see where it was originally yellow, and somebody like painted or taped over with purple people are adding these things on after for cars that don't <laughs> that they don't belong to and it's blowing my mind
0: you no know, it's it's hey it's, you know what you, you own the car put whatever you want on it right. who cares it's the, it's yeah, the backward the, upside the, down SRT sideways riser.
1: well srt even said that like the the pebbles are going to get caught up underneath the, the tape and like actually scrape it I look. I but okay. You but gotta,
2: you do you remember the the eighties and and early nineties when everybody was putting the. No, I was, was four the, then. Oh, God, you're not old enough. So back then, everybody would put the the. I was the, drunk then, so. <laughs> everybody would put the bras on their car, right? The and everybody
1: and, wore piano neckties.
2: What's your point? Yeah, so you'd get the the like. Fake leather thing to cover the front of your 911 Super Carrera Targa, whatever, <laughs> or your 924, yeah, right. Your your Coke machine, and <laughs> um, the the idea that it's going to protect the paint is actually backward because you put this now this piece of vinyl there that traps water and heat and sh- and stuff underneath it, so it it actually like causes damage to the paint and scratches it and because the paint that's underneath it isn't getting the uv guess what all the paint on the car now sort of misshapen
1: miscolored right? yeah so i will say this as a jeep guy but i will have weird. to cop to the fact that in, like the automotive enthusiast community is, is a double-edged sword i love that people care but like misguided enthusiasm can lead they, to some weird stuff and really i don't want to like things. i don't want to shame i know but you know i don't want to shame some folks but it's like same time, it's like, dude, There's a level of a modicum of restraint and taste that might go into any of this stuff. And I, but I'm just but, but this, guided, this
0: guided enthusiasm enthusiasm is hardly unique to the automotive sector. I mean, yes, you know, look, look at look at smart bad tattoos everywhere.
1: Yes, at least you can take off the uh, yellow strips.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um so back to the legacy.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh before before you
0: continue with that one one other note oh. about you mentioned the you know the you know being able to run a long distance on a tank in the legacy one issue with the uh, Veloster the gas tank is on the small side it's only a 13 gallon tank and so, you know, you don't get that much range out of it.
2: Yeah, and it says it gets up to 29 miles per gallon highway. So it probably
0: was getting like 24
2: for you. In- uh, I got
0: about 27.
2: Oh, that's, that's better than I thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah. You have a lighter foot. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, I was, I was so- driving through Ohio and trying to avoid the uh, Ohio uh, State Troopers.
2: Yeah, you set the cruise and just, <laughs> just relax. Yep.
1: Well, look, Dan, I don't have too much more time uh, joining you guys. So I did want to touch on one thing about the Legacy. That yeah, man, was- go ahead. So all right, so a couple of quick things i love the I love the chassis dynamics. I think it handles really well. It's really practical, like it's more than just a uh, four door outback it's it's got a really big back seat and it's got yep. a decent sized trunk and all that stuff. The center console and the big portrait orientation eleven point six inch touchscreen.
2: That's what I was going to talk about too, because I so I hate it. Let,
1: let me just get through a couple things. One. <laughs> If this was any other brand, I'd be like, fine, it's a sign of the times, but it's Subaru. And in my mind, as a New Englander, Subaru is like a pillar of pragmatism, practicality, the old ways or the good ways. Like their interiors were drab as hell, and people loved them for it. <laughs> they liked that they could beat on their interiors and they're full of plastic and you could throw applesauce at everything, you could wash it off. Like that's good stuff, right? And even though it's a touchscreen, Fine. Whatever. It's, you know, you got, you got hard controls for the climate controls and radio. The
2: only tactile no, controls you, you don't have. Cl- oh, that's what you're saying. Like now you the don't. The old
1: ones, the old yeah. ones, right. This new thing is a, like a violation of what I interpret as like the, the core tenets of what makes a good Subaru. A Subaru is something that you can beat on and it will say, thank you. I will have some more. Right from an actually, thing.
0: it's a violation of core tenants that makes any vehicle a good vehicle. If, yeah. I don't know if oh, you've absolutely. heard George, but I am I am the global leader of the ban the touchscreens from cars movement.
1: <laughs> well, so yeah. I'm not I'm not that far. I like I like tech when it's used well. So right, like yeah, I yeah. happen to it's, think that course. the American automakers do a good job of saying some things are going to be touchscreens, some things are going to always stay as hard controls. So like, like you know, Ram 1500 notwithstanding, most of everything else is. Radio and nav and car play is up in touch. But as our good friend Craig Fitzgerald always says, the 6 a.m. dark and cold controls. If you're going out to your garage and the light went out, can I use the radio and the climate controls and the, the, the heat, the defroster without looking? And those are all things that you should be able to hit, hit, hit. Yeah. The biggest sin of all of this touchscreen system is... So all cars have stop start systems, and anybody that reviews cars all the times typically, unless they're John Volker over at Green Car Reports, are canceling out the stop start system so it doesn't like you know auto cancel. Honestly, time I idle. I
2: leave it running as well. I leave it. Oh, out.
1: you masochist.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's but you know, here's the thing, and I think I, I I this this will come back to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I, I I pair that stop start with the auto hold that everybody's doing now, but the the legacy would shut auto hold off on every restart so you'd have to go in and it's three like three steps or two steps right right Wait, are we talking about the same thing what's the difference between auto hold and stop start it's so stop start shuts the engine on and off avh auto vehicle hold actually keeps keeps the brakes on you to, when, so uh, when you're on a hill
0: you when you apply the brakes and to take your foot off the brake pedal it won't roll back until, yeah well,
2: but it's not even it's not even just on a hill it's like at a stoplight you just Press the brakes yeah. So AVH turning brake that on
1: turns on. off auto stop start Did you just break my brain?
2: No, 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 it keeps auto stop start on um, you, can, you can set them individually But it, it will hold like, So you come up to a stoplight And you press it and the AVH comes on You can then take your foot off the brake and just sit there And the car will hold itself on the brakes, and then it'll release the brakes when you hit the the gas.
1: Here's the problem. Here's the problem. So for a lot of cars, uh, the stop start is pretty seamless because the car, the engine themselves are smooth. Uh, it we is just not about in the legacy. It. Exactly. <laughs> so so if you want to cancel that, in the past, in 99 percent of cars that have this is just a button on the dash or a button next to the shifter, and you okay. just hit it. Done. This is two menus deep. Okay. Yep. And not only that, if I want to change the temperature for the, uh, well, there's hard buttons for the temp, but if I want to change, like, the direction of the, where, the climate control. Where it control, goes in the fan, there is no hard button. It's three menu presses.
2: And okay? it, it, it comes up, and you got you to be quick. So, A, it comes up, and you have to read it and figure out what it's doing, like, what it's asking. Right? You, you have to find the thing to stab with your finger. Oh, you were too slow. It, then it, it like, re- sh- shut it back down. Now you're at the main screen. Right, right. So
1: in light of all these things that I'm bagging on about, there is one feature that Subaru does that I really like. And it's part of the eyesight suite of driver assistance features. So I do like how Subaru makes eyesight standard on almost every car they do. So you have like the 86, right? Or the BRZ, excuse me. Uh, One feature they have is the whole. If you are at a stoplight and the car in front of you pulls away and you don't respond, it gives you a a little like blip. And look, you can't like change the behavior of human beings. All right. We're going to look at our phones. I'm sorry. Okay, (laughs) people are going to look at their phones or or turn around and like deal with their kids that are fighting each other or look for that fry that fell in between the seats. For whatever reason, yes, I eat in the car. For whatever reason, they're not your car. Right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So when the car in front of you bounces and goes ahead and you haven't responded, it'll beep at you after like a second. And that like kind of saves you from the angry horn honk behind you. And frankly, that's one of the most like realistic, like real reality, like self-aware features in any car today.
2: Yeah, I, all that stuff is good. The eyesight system was good. It was a little, it was a little touchy, but you can also dial it back too. So, like, its default is right. a little bit more cautious. So, it it would um, beep at me and and sort of do a little sort of tap of the brakes automatically um, a little more than I thought was necessary. Uh, but then again, occasionally I drive aggressively. Uh, <laughs> what are you? Yeah. Um, but the just the interface that that infotainment system is the system itself isn't terrible it's just they need they need more physical controls and and right they need to consider like where are the things you can access and how do you access them and maybe consider like maybe don't make it timeout maybe make it controllable i i fought with that for the whole week i had it and it's a you shame the because problem? the rest of the car is
1: great it's really well, pretty really too in the past if there was that system i would just tell people to go get the base trim because it wouldn't have it but i had to go look it up because there are no press images about it the base trim Every trim of the base trim has this uh, this screen in the base trim. It takes up the same real estate and it's two screens. We're talking like Honda. uh, (laughs) Sam knows what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, double screen. Like, you know, I'm just like, oh, you guys are doing that with the base trim. Okay, we'll have fun with that. Yeah,
2: that's yeah. So I, I, you know, it's a, it's a solid update to the legacy. It's a really good car. You're just gonna have that learning curve. It's a really good
1: car, and I hate to bag on some of these things. Yeah, you Yeah, know? yeah.
2: Um. Other, otherwise, yeah, it it was it was solid. So, if you if you like Subarus, it's gonna like tickle that you know that Subaru itch or whatever.
1: Um, and it drives a lot better than some of the SUVs. Like you almost forget after driving Foresters in a sense that like. A Subaru sedan can be this refined in corners and in braking yeah. and, and all that stuff.
2: The ride handling balance, the way everything sort of works together, the steering weight and, and torque is like all of that stuff is perfect. The chassis guys get a gold star. Uh, <laughs> just, and, and, and honestly, it looks good. It's easy to get in and out of. It's comfortable. Like all, all of that stuff that makes it a Subaru, that's, that's all there. So uh, they got some, some work to do on their new infotainment system. So,
1: for sure. Well, look, I didn't do any of the homework on any of the topics that you guys are about to talk to in a bit, so I'm going to leave you now. Uh, okay. I'm glad I got to yell about cars, and I'll uh, check with you guys soon. All yeah. right. <laughs>
2: where do all people right. find you? If they're looking for you, where do they find you?
1: Yeah, you can uh, find our legacy review on Car Gurus. Uh, we're doing some other articles about car culture on boston.com, and then I do some other uh, car advice for US Things World Report. All right. Hey, thanks, George. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Right. Take care. Bye. Bye
2: it's been a very electric <laughs> kind of few days. Um the the Volvo XC40 recharge came out and the, that's sort of their their first foray into a fully electric vehicle for Volvo other than the, the Polestar. Um
0: but like, yeah, it's the first it's the first Volvo branded production electric vehicle. Uh they they actually did uh something earlier in the decade i think just in europe only they did some small number of v i think v40 electrics oh that's right yeah um but it, you know it was never a really a regular production model uh but so this is the first regular production um volvo branded ev um you know and it's it's using the same platform as the um as the Polestar 2 uh, but you know, obviously, a different form factor. You know, it's it it looks like the XC Forty that we uh, that we're all familiar with, and uh, it you know it's got the battery under the floor like everybody else, and uh, lots of other changes too.
2: Yeah. So and and it introduces Recharge as Volvo's electric brand now. So anything fully electric
0: from Volvo is going to have. Uh, I think I think they're also using it on their plug-in hybrids. Oh, are they? Okay. I, I, I think it's every, anything with a plug is going to get branded as Recharge. Oh, I get it
2: now. Okay, I thought it was just the fully electrics. Okay. Uh, yeah. And and so, but did they basically put the XC Forty top hat on top of a completely new? Architecture or did they? they no, chase
0: the Polestar two off it, the. It's it's a heavily modified version of the uh, what is it? There, I forget. Is it, the, the, SLA is yes, their big right. one. Uh, I forget what the what the compact one is called, but it's a, it's a it's a significantly modified version of their compact platform that is used for the XC Forty, um, also the uh, the Lincoln Co cars from from Geely, uh, as well as the Polestar two. Yeah. Which
2: I, uh, just a normal driving form. Like I thought that was, that's a really good, uh, starting point, quite honestly. So I, I think that Volvo has always uh, over the last 50 years, they've been kind of on the forefront of, uh, committing to environmental stewardship. And this is, this is the next step for Volvo, I think is, is they figured out where they're going to take the brand now.
0: Yeah. And you know, during the, the press event earlier this week, um, Huck and Samuelson, the, uh, the CEO, talked about uh, you know, getting to 50% uh, EVs by 2025. Um, going forward, they're going to be introducing a new electric vehicle every year uh between now and 2025 and there will be plug-in versions of every vehicle that they offer um going forward so you know they already have plug-ins uh variants of many of their models uh, including you know all the 90 series models are all available as a plug-in hybrid um the the 60s the xc60 and a I think the V60 are available as plugins. I'm not sure about the S60. Um, so, you know, this is continuing the trend that they already started. And even the non-plug-in ones, uh, you know, from 2020 onwards are going to have at least a 48-volt mild hybrid system as standard equipment. You know, so everything is going to be electrified to some degree or another.
2: Right. Well, that's the, that was sort of the thing that they came out and said not too long ago that um, they – They had made that masterful release of information that was kind of already out there. Um, It was like, yes, everything going forward is going to be electrified in some way. And people took it to mean like every Volvo is going to be an electric car, which is not actually
0: the the reason why everybody took it that way is because the headline of that press release said that Volvo is going all electric, right? Yes, that's that's what the the press release actually said, all electric. It didn't say electrified. It said all electric, which was a complete misrepresentation of what they were actually doing.
2: I think it was in the PR world, that's obfuscation.
0: <laughs> no, that, that, that's called a lie.
2: Okay. All right. I, I'm trying, I'm trying to give him a break. Cause I, I like Paul, um, but you know, when, I think when, I,
0: when I, when I worked on the PR side, that was the sort of thing that, you know, I would very loudly complain about in editorial meetings. And whenever anybody tried to do something like that, I said, you cannot say that it's not true.
2: Yeah, yeah that, that's fair.
0: Fortunately for me, I'm no longer in that position.
2: Right, and they're, they're, they continue to lie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the details but that doesn't too. take away from the, the the car, yeah.
2: Yeah, the, the car itself is – this is the thing that was inter- the most interesting to me. was like They didn't just make it sort of a mediocre electric powertrain. It's got 400 horsepower and even more torque, like 442 – Pound feet of torque, uh, so this is probably the quickest XC Forty you're ever going to see. And, Most likely, yeah. Uh, it, you know, it, it char- it'll charge to eighty percent in about forty minutes on a fast charger, so that's that's pretty good. Um, yeah, it
0: supports fifty kilowatt charging, same as the Audi E-Tron.
2: And their their WLTP number sounds really good. Um,
0: it's but it's okay. It's not right. great.
2: Well, that's uh, the thing. Like they they get it to say four hundred kilometers on the wltp which that you know 400 is a nice round number and that's that's what i mean it's just like it sounds good but then when you when you convert it and you sort of lower your expectations for what it's going to be on the epa do you think this is going to it's going to come down to maybe just about 200 miles, right? In terms, yeah, it'll, it'll
0: probably be right around 200, uh, which is, you know, again similar. You know, the Audi e-tron, you know, is also rated at 400 on the WLTP, um, you know, and it's like 204 on the EPA. So it'll it'll probably be somewhere right around there, you know, right right around 200 or just a little bit more on the EPA cycle when it comes out next year.
2: So that's not. I mean, that's certainly
0: plenty. Uh, although, you know. Uh, volvo you know because this is a smaller vehicle volvo achieves that same range as the e-tron with a significantly smaller battery they're doing it with a 78 kilowatt hour battery versus the uh the 90 uh 95 kilowatt hour unit in the uh, in the audi well,
2: it's just less disappointing that it's getting that kind of range yeah, I mean,
0: it's, it's more it's more efficient it, <laughs> Although is, it is more efficient than the audi which you would expect it to be since it's smaller
2: Yeah. Well, and the Audi too, like the thing about the Audi is um, that initial disappointment seems to have been tempered by the fact that like that performance is virtually guaranteed no matter what you're doing.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's, you know, unlike uh, a certain other uh, EV company, (laughs) uh, you are, you're actually highly likely to actually beat the EPA label numbers with the Audi e-tron as opposed to fall well short of them.
2: Yeah. And and like that other um, EV company, uh, the XC40 is going to be able to do over the air software updates and, and stuff. So they're, they're, yep. they're getting it set for a further sort of platform, uh, sort of upping the tech from, from the kind of old line automaker that Volvo has, has been sort of a member of that, that class. And now we're, we're seeing this shift where they're, they're trying to do the things that others have done but less, maybe less carefully. Uh, everybody's getting into the act now, and, and so it's, it's going to improve that uh, sort of execution.
0: I think right, and, and and like the Polestar too, um, the XC40 is also getting uh, the new uh, Android Automotive powered infotainment system. So it's the same system that's going to be in the Polestar. Um, so it's uh, you know it's running Android underneath. It'll have a unique Volvo interface to it, but it'll, it'll be, it'll have, um, Google services in there. So you'll have Google assistant, uh, for the voice recognition, Google maps, uh, access to the Google play store, uh, you know, with, with availability of automotive related apps that you can download and run right on the, the, uh, the system. So you don't have to use, uh, you, you don't have to have your phone plugged in, uh, to, uh, use the apps. Um, and, uh, what else? Oh yeah. So this is, this is replacing, or, you know, it's their next generation Generation of their their census system so it's a it's a different interface from what's in census today
2: which is given rebecca's troubles with it the last <laughs> week and you know you and i have complained about it endlessly. Yeah. i feel um it's probably a good thing like we'll we we'll get to try it out and, and uh see how much we like it in practice
0: yeah absolutely I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to driving this one you know we like i like the the standard xc40 and and this should be uh, an interesting change I think it's going to be even better
2: as an EV because it's just going to have that, that sort of power delivery that EVs have where it's just going to feel always ready, which mm-hmm. is nice, and it's going to be a little quieter. Um, so it's just going to be the strong, strong silent type. <laughs> yeah. So the next thing, uh, yeah, we, can, we can sort of have EVs and uh, alternative propulsion, other, other alternative propulsion technology fight each other. Um, you wrote up the, the Toyota Mirai. You wrote it up for Forbes, uh, just the introduction of the second generation of the Mirai uh, fuel cell vehicle, which looks fantastic and shifts to rear wheel drive. So I'm, I'm all set that they can bring this tomorrow. I would be yeah. fine with that.
0: Yeah. So, you know, the, the original Mirai was, you know, it wasn't the first production fuel cell vehicle, you know, that was, you know, the Honda FCX clarity, but, you know, over the course of about four years of production, I think Honda only made about 250 or so clarities. uh, Whereas the Mirai was the first really volume production um, fuel cell vehicle. And, you know, they've, they sold, they've sold about, uh, I Think to date, I think it's like about nine or ten thousand of them um, globally, uh, including Japan and, and here in the U.S. and in uh, in Europe. Um, but the the Marai, unfortunately, was. Um, how shall I put this? It was ugly. <laughs> it was <just> downright <laughs> ugly. <laughs> and frankly, it didn't drive very well either. you know it it drove it drove a lot like uh, previous generation Prius, which you know its platform was based on, uh, which means that it, it was not very fun to drive. Uh, you know, it was reasonably quick, but it was not very fun to drive. Um, this new Mirai is on a, is on a new platform. That is, you know, it's a rear-wheel drive platform. It's also significantly larger than the the current Marai. This thing, excuse me, this new one is about the same size as an Avalon, uh, which you know makes it a big car. Yeah. Uh, which means that it's unlikely to go down significantly in price from the I think fifty-six or fifty-seven thousand dollar price point of the current Marai. Um, uh, you know, but there, you know, it's going to have uh, substantial, like 30% more range to it. It already had pretty good range. It was already over a 300 mile range. Uh, but it, you know, so it should be approaching, uh, 400 miles of range and, uh, and should, uh, be a lot more interesting to drive and certainly a lot more pleasant to look at than the old one.
2: So is it going to be, I know like in, in Southern California and out there, like this is, this is not so much of an issue. Um, you can have the fuel cell vehicle, you can fill up with hydrogen. It's it, it, maybe it's a little harder to get, but it's, it's there. I don't, I don't know that that's as easy up here in the, the Northeast. Now I do, I do see some clarities, I think from time to, time. those are the ones that have the, uh, those, pads, those, right?
0: are, those are going to be the, yeah, that's going to be the plug in hybrid clarity, not the fuel oh, cell. Okay. So clarity is only available in California.
2: Right. Okay. That, Cause that was my, I saw clarity it's, in traffic and I was like, how are they fueling that?
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Right now there's about 40 fuel, uh, hydrogen stations in California. And that's it for, for publicly accessible stations. Um, you know, the clarity is available in three versions, the, the fuel cell, a plug-in hybrid and the, um, battery electric version, which has a ridiculously short range of like 85 miles. Uh, (laughs) but they, uh, so the ones you're probably, the ones you're seeing are, are almost certainly the plug-in hybrids.
2: Yeah. That's what they've got to be. Um, so, Again, though, like, so the, the new MRI, it does look good, and it's, it, they went through all the, the time and trouble and expense to, you know, create this new version that seems like it's only, only going to work in like one small geographic area.
0: Well, they're they're supposed to start opening some uh, hydrogen stations in the Northeast as well uh, in the next year or so. So, it by the time the Mirai arrives uh, later next year, there should be um, it, it may it may well be available in in the Northeast, in New England, and New York and New Jersey um, because they're they're supposed to open some uh, some infrastructure there.
2: That would be good because we have epic gridlock here. <laughs> <laughs> it, it might be nice to uh, not contribute. Uh, so much uh, carbon dioxide to the atmosphere. Um, I mean, it it does make me wonder what drove those changes. Like, were customers asking for something that's more like an LS than like a, a Prius? You know, or, or like I, it was it was a real surprise
0: to see. Well, from from what I've been told, the original Mirai it was originally intended to be a Lexus. It was supposed to be branded as a Lexus, not as a Toyota. And somewhere along the line, they decided they changed their mind, decided to call it a Toyota um, and, you know, mainly because of the pricing, you know, even as a Lexus, you know, I still don't think that the styling would have fit very well as a Lexus either. Yeah. Uh, you know, this time they decided to, you know, just make it a Toyota. It's, it's probably going to almost certainly going to be, you know, a premium, you know, it'll be Toyota's flagship, uh, you know, probably above the, the Avalon. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's not, necessarily clear, you know, who the, the target market is for this. You know, I think, you know, some, you know, I think anybody that is a big Tesla fan is probably not going to be interested in this. Um, but, uh, you know, there, I think that there, there are some people who like the idea of a fuel cell vehicle and like to have, you know, a big stylish, you know, premium sedan, Uh, You know, that that happens to be electric and, and has significant range. So, you know, I think if you compare this to, you know, say something, you know, like the Lucid Air, you know, which is, you know, kind of a similar size, you know, that's, you know, that's a 400 mile EV that. Uh, or it's supposed to be a 400-mile EV that you know is going to start at $100,000. My guess is that this one will probably start you know in the low 50s, you know, so probably in the same price range as the current Mirai. But it'll be it, it's a it's a design that I think people will be much more inclined to pay $50,000 for than than for the current generation car.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't. I I mean, dude, look at the current generation car. I'm kind of like no dollars, no, yeah. no 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 dollars will be exchanged for that. Um, but it, it's, it's also curious to me that the Toyota continues to invest in, in hydrogen. They, they're one of the few, I think that it's really at least super visibly doing it. And so it's, it's almost like they're having their
0: bets right now. It's mainly Toyota, Hyundai, and Honda and GM that are investing significantly in fuel cell technology. Uh, they are, they are the primary ones and, and BMW you know has a relationship with, um, Toyota, and they are—they have said that they're planning to introduce some fuel cell vehicles in the early 2020s, based on Toyota's fuel cell technology.
2: So, why that dichotomy? Like I, everybody's moving towards EVs. EVs are sort of the talk of the town, but there's still—well, we're keep,
0: keep going in on. mind that fuel cell vehicles are electric. They just they don't they're not storing the energy in a battery they're storing you know hydrogen is the energy carrier and hydrogen going through a fuel cell mixing with mixing with oxygen is producing electricity and water so the the drivetrain the powertrain for this is exactly the same as for any other ev yeah, it's it's got an electric motor, it's got power electronics, it even has a battery, but you know, it's a smaller battery, like a hybrid size battery, to do energy uh recovery, you know, to do regenerative braking. Um and you know, to fill you know, cut off some of the peaks. Uh yeah, you know, because right. fuel cells work better, you know, in steady state mode than doing transients. So uh the the battery helps with that. It, and you know, for larger vehicles, you know, as you get into larger, heavier vehicles. Fuel cells actually make a lot of sense, um, you know, because you can pack more energy into a smaller, lighter package than with a battery big enough to give you the kind of range you want with a bigger, heavier vehicle. So Uh, the larger the vehicle, the the more sense fuel cells make. And, you know, so in addition to the Mirai, you know, one of the things that Toyota has been working on over the last several years is uh, fuel cell trucks. Uh, heavy heavy you know class 8 trucks and they've been testing uh, a couple of fuel cell powered um, Peterbilt's Kenworth's uh, whichever one one of those yeah. at the at the port of Long Beach for a couple of years now and they're currently they currently have a, a partnership with I think it's Peterbilt maybe it's Kenworth I think they're the same company anyway I think um, Packer, yeah Yeah. Uh, with them to build, uh, more, more of those trucks to build a second generation of those trucks. And, uh, they're going to operate those in, uh, in and around the port of long beach and, and the port of Los Angeles, uh, and then um, Hyundai recently did a deal with Cummins because Cummins has been working some, working on some electric drivetrain technology for heavy duty trucks, for Class Eight trucks, um, and they showed something last year. And now they're partnering with Hyundai to also utilize Hyundai's fuel cell technology with their electric powertrain technology. Uh, so we're going to see uh, Cummins, Cummins and Hyundai-powered uh, fuel cell trucks as well. And then there's, there's Nikola Motors, which is a startup that is doing fuel cell trucks. So when you get into those larger, heavier vehicles, fuel cells actually make a lot more sense uh, because you can get you know the same amount of range with um, probably about a quarter of the mass of a battery that would be required for that kind of range.
2: So, you know, they're going to maybe actually be successful where uh, a certain other EV maker continues to release sketches and um, show off uh, hacked up uh, Kenworth uh, semis for EV (laughs) semis.
0: they've They've got two mules. They've got at least two mules that have been running around and I think periodically getting new paint jobs. (laughs) <laughs> uh, which, you know, it so- sounds. Uh, you know, if, if you're as old as I am, um, you probably remember there was there was another um, vehicle startup back in the 1970s and 80s uh, that uh, had a tendency to do the same thing. Uh, Vector Aeromotive. Oh, it was Vector. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, you know, I, I'm talking to Don Sherman and, and others. You know, who were around in those days. You know, they Vector used to regularly show up at their offices. You know, with a prototype. You know, um, that had it was the same prototype that they you know every six months or so they would repaint it a different color to make it seem like there was more than one car <laughs> and this went on this went on for years I love it yeah,
2: <laughs> and would they change anything else in the car maybe no like,
0: no, they just repainted it that's awesome then, you know this was in the days before they could do wraps you know, which would have been a lot easier um but uh yeah yeah they would just paint it repaint it and, you know sometimes it'd be white sometimes it'd be black sometimes it'd be red or yellow um and uh you know then just trot it out again you know and you know try to raise some more money
2: yeah that's well that's right yeah that guy was kind of a loon um. uh
0: yeah you could say that we've talked in the past you know about um about Tesla, you know and the fact that they get longer, they seem to get longer range out of their batteries than anybody else. Um, you know, there's a couple of factors there. Uh, some of which, uh, you know, may have to do with, um, say, some shenanigans as far as how they do their testing, um, you know, the, doing their EPA label testing. Um, but we're not going to get into that. But one factor that is absolutely true is that they're, their drivetrains tend to be more efficient, more energy efficient than most of the other EV makers. And, you know, so even regardless of how they're actually doing their measurements, um, they are definitely getting more miles per kilowatt hour than almost anybody else. And one of the key differences in what Tesla does versus what everybody else is doing up until now has been the power electronics. Uh, So, you know, for those who you know aren't electrically inclined batteries store energy store electrical energy as direct current and they they the output of a battery is always direct current but dc motors are not as efficient as alternating current motors All ac motors are, are significantly more efficient than, than dc motors and, and in an in ev especially efficiency is really important because um, the energy density of a battery is so poor relative to liquid fuels that it's important to get as many miles out of every kilowatt hour as you as you possibly can. And so they've they've used AC motors, you know, the two different types, either permanent magnet or um, or um, uh, let's see, AC induction motors. Right. Um, but to go from the battery to that AC motor, you have to go through some power electronics that uh, switches that DC that direct current into alternating current. And the power electronics that are used by everybody but Tesla today use regular silicon chips. Um, and the more power you put through them, they, they heat up a lot more. Uh, and, you know, there's a, limits on how fast they can switch, uh, you know, swi- switching direction of the current. So. Uh, what Tesla has been using on the model 3 and I think now also on the s and the X is silicon carbide chips in their power electronics which gives them an advantage in terms of um, power or you know power conversion efficiency because when the chips heat up that that heat energy is coming that's directly coming from the energy that's the electricity that's flowing through there you know if you if you're giving off heat then that's less, Power that's coming out the other side of this right. power electronics it's, it's, module—it's not going
2: to the motor. It's not right. going to the road. Yeah.
0: Uh, so silicon carbide chips can switch a lot faster and have a lot better thermal properties than just plain old silicon chips. And Bosch uh, is currently building a new fab. You know, Bosch has been making chips for a long time. Uh, most people don't realize that, but they, they're, they're actually, you know, one of the bigger chip makers, um, semiconductor makers. They're building a new fab in Dresden right now in Germany. But at their existing fab, they are currently doing pilot production of silicon carbide chips. And the new Dresden fab, one of the things it's going to be producing is silicon carbide chips in high volumes. And that's going to be available for production in 2021. They're going to start uh, delivering sample parts uh, to uh, automakers next year. And Hopefully, you know, they we start seeing them switch over to using silicon carbide in their power electronics uh, fairly soon because that'll help them get more range out of their batteries. And if you can get more range out of the battery uh, or, or you know, better, better energy efficiency there, then you can get the same range with a smaller, lighter battery that's also going to be less costly. So it all helps to drive down the cost of EVs going forward if you can get more efficiency.
2: So how does the um – the the car How does the carbon sort of make the rate? Right, because that's the carbide, right? They're adding more carbon to the it, silicon.
0: It, yeah, it, it improves the adding the carbon to the the silicon uh, improves the conductivity of the chips of the transistors and the oh, chips. So
2: this, this is less resistance then. So yeah, it makes it's, it's
0: yeah, basically lowering the resistance, uh, so you're generating less heat. The the, the electricity flows through uh, more with more more easily and uh, gets you know you're using the the energy where it's needed in the motor, not in the power electronics.
2: So, and these chips are because they're ICs, right? They're they're transistors. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, all they do, like a transistor, basically switches. It's like on or off
0: yeah pretty much right? so yeah. yeah in this case you know it's it's switching it's doing a little more than that you know it's switching the current to a different direction but yeah
2: yeah you're right so you've, you've got to make the sine wave out of it versus yeah. like dc the pulses right so with with ac it swings you've got your zero which is no voltage and it swings up for for you know the, to your peak and yep. then swings down below zero for your 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 low peak and it's just sort of that's that's your house current. That's that's why yeah. we touch the that's, the, that's,
0: that's, the Yeah, that's what's coming out of the outlets in your house. Yeah. So when you
2: put your fingers on that thing, you plug the lamp in in the dark. Yeah. That's why you feel a <laughs> pulse.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, well,
2: and, I, I mean that's and,
0: that's and, cool. A, 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 an interesting just little little tangent there. Um, you know, if you um, over the years, you know, I've had lot I had lots of cl- different clock radios in the house, and they all they never seem to ha- be able to hold time very well. Yeah, And you would think, you know, with modern, you know, especially with quartz stuff, uh, you know, quartz clocks, you know, they're, they're always so good at keeping time, but these cheap clock radios that you buy, um, they, they never seem to hold time very well. Oh, the cheap ones and, drift a lot. Yeah. And, well, it turns out the reason why is because instead of using a quartz crystal in there, they're actually using the, um, the frequency of the alternating current to control the time. So alternating current nominally is supposed to be 60 hertz
2: yeah, that, that may work in europe where their grid st- stays at 50 like very reliably
0: well see that's that's the problem the, our grid doesn't our, our grid does not reliably stay at 60 hertz so they're right. using that but, you know, if your uh, current is actually like 59 hertz or 59 and a half hertz, over time, your time, you know, the, the accuracy of your clock is going to drift. And uh, you're going to, you know, after a few weeks, you're going to realize you're off by a couple of minutes. Uh, yeah. So just a, just a little side note there.
2: No, I mean, clocks are super important. We used to have to deal with that all the time. And we, I mean, we still do, but it's gotten a lot easier now with with all like getting uh, video and, and audio, all digital systems to sync up. Um you know, because every digital system has its, its own clock reference. So um, if your clocks are off, things are going to drift out of sync. So some of the studios used to use um, atomic clocks, and mm-hmm. they would keep them in the oven <laughs> at the studio. So a consistent temperature, because it's, 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 um, it's locked at the decay of the, the whatever atoms or electrons. I forget exactly what the clocks were, but there were some studios in New York that had that. They basically had, like, an atomic clock that they built themselves in, in the oven um, on one of the floors was the master sink for the whole facility. And it was just the same kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh, we got a little off-topic there, <laughs> Just a little. It's been a very EV episode, but uh, the thing that was most fascinating to me this week, I was listening to um, Autoline this morning, and, and um, they, it just their sort of like daily update, and they, they announced the, the, the Ford, uh, Ford Pass. And, like this to me is like here we go it's it's just another step uh, on top of the electrify America um, thing which I
0: also think was was well, really it's actually it's actually even more than that yeah so, no, it is but
2: it, it's like I think with this kind of innovation where we're starting to really see this may be the tipping point where EV uh, the ownership becomes really really practical and easy because Ford has has done what needs to be done to a, to a large degree. They've invested big in, uh, charging network and infrastructure and
0: they have actually, to, no, they haven't.
2: Well, they've, they've assembled it. Uh, I say they, yeah. they've made an investment enough to, to put their name on it, put, to, to do the hard work of integrating all of it so that you as a consumer don't have to. So that's where I'm saying like they've, they've invested, like they're, they're making it easy, uh, so that you, you, yeah, they're, adopters can they're, get they're,
0: them they're, they're reducing the friction for, yes. uh, Reducing the resistance, shall we say? Yes, exactly. For <laughs> EV adopters. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, so you know, for for those not familiar, Ford Pass is Ford's connectivity services platform, their connected vehicle services platform, and you know, it or you know, there's already a bunch of stuff. You know, they 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 rebranded their their telematics service last year to Ford Pass Connect, um, and there's the Ford Pass app that gives you access to a bunch of different things. You know, you can check your vehicle health reports and things like that, and um, there's various other services. But the the latest thing that they're adding. Soon. We're we're going to see it uh, in about uh, what, what uh, about three and a half weeks time, roughly. Um, we're going to see it, and um, so this is, the, this is the this is yes, this is the uh, so called Mustang inspired performance electric SUV. Um, which uh, you know that's that's all I can tell you about it at the moment. Other than that, you know they've said it will have a 300 mile range, um, and uh, but the you know the the thing that they announced yesterday in conjunction with uh, Electrify America is you know this this charging network that uh, what they're doing is within the Ford Pass app, they're essentially aggregating access to these different charging networks. So like today, you know, you can get the Electrify America app and you can sign up for a plan with them. You know, Electrify America's chargers are all DC fast chargers. Uh, And so uh, when you use those, you know, it's actually surprisingly costly uh, to use DC fast charging. Uh, But you can get a discount on the, the per minute rate um, you know, if you sign up, so if you pay, if you're going to use it on a regular basis, it's worthwhile to pay, uh, you know, like, you know, five or $10, I think it is a month. And then you get a discount on all the charging you do. Same thing goes for EVgo and charge point and, and others, you know, they have similar plans where, you know, you pay a little bit up front and then you get a discount on, on everything you use after that. And so, uh, but that, requires you to use all these different apps so depending on which charging station you go to you got to open up the right app and make sure you have accounts with all of them and all this all this nonsense what ford is doing is they're pulling a bunch of these together in uh into their app into the ford pass app so you'll be able to see you know uh, from all these different networks including electrify america and green lots uh, and others to be named uh, which one you know where there's a charging uh, station of near you, you know, within, within range of you, uh, whether it's available, whether, you know, whether there's an open plug there to plug into, uh, and then you can go and pay for it, pay for your charging right through the Ford pass app. So you don't have to use all these numerous other apps and you don't have to pay, you'll get the discounted rates, um, you know, through the Ford pass app, you won't have to pay the you know, different subscription fees to all these different services
2: yeah which is like i think that's really key that's that's important the the way you make it uh attractive to people is show them how easy it can be because like this is like you've been dealing with evs for a long time now and like this is not really anything uh terribly new it's just kind of like repackaging but sometimes that's really important to to like you said to reduce that friction and so that's that's where i think that that and the splash with with Ford actually like making the announcement and, and putting its its brand on it and its weight behind it, uh, you know, it seems like a it's, it's right now and it may play out differently, but it seems like it could be a really kind of a pivotal moment where it becomes easier.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, so to to start with, you know, when when the car launches, you know, it'll it'll have access to more than twelve thousand locations with more than thirty five thousand plugs. Uh, to plug in, and um, you know, they, they, they in the release uh, that they put out yesterday, you know, they also revealed a couple of other tidbits about the this SUV. Um, it's going to support 150 kilowatt charging, uh, same as the Audi e-tron and the uh, uh, the Volvo XC40, uh, which will give you uh, 47 miles of range in 10 minutes. Um, they can reconfirm that it'll have 300 mile range, and since this isn't a European car, that's not. That's, you know, that's what the expected range on the EPA cycle, not on the WLTP. Uh, and uh, what else? Uh, I think previously they've also said that, you know, this, this vehicle is going to have, uh, it's going to have over-the-air update capability. Uh, so, you know, this, this thing's going to be available in 2020. Uh, it's being built at uh, Ford's Quatlan, Mexico plant, where they currently built, where, where they have previously built the Fiesta. Uh, and they're retooling that plant right now to, uh, to build this new EV.
2: So it's it's a brand new day, which just sounds like something that they would say in their their marketing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm 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 curious. I'm excited. Uh, I think it's a a really good move. And uh, you know, between Ford and GM, I almost feel like Ford has their strategy sort of a little a little further along and maybe a little better worked out. But maybe that's just you know afterglow
0: uh, right well, now. You know, I I think you know at the moment it looks like you know not not rushing to be the first to market has given them an opportunity to think about, okay, what's the right kind of vehicle? What, you know, what are the specs that we need, you know, to, you know, that's going to be appealing to customers. And, you know, this, this thing is not going to be as affordable as, you know, say a Nissan Leaf or or a Bolt or, or a Kia Niro EV. Um, but, you know, they, they may have an easier time selling it you know, because of the nature of the type of vehicle it is. And this is going to be, this is this is actually a vehicle that's going to be a very interesting competitor to the uh, Tesla Model Y.
2: Uh, you think the Model Y is actually going to get here? We'll see. <laughs> okay, I remain Con, skeptical.
0: Yeah, c- considering how you know not very different it is from the Model Three.
2: Yeah, well, that's sure. the other thing. I's like I kind of don't really we'll care see. about the Model Y. It's it's a humpback Model Three. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, what? Again, not to bag on Tesla. I'm just like. I like how they, they've pushed the market. This is because of Tesla. Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah if, it, if it wasn't for Tesla, this vehicle and, and many others probably wouldn't exist. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, you know, let, let's, uh, let's all just like bask in our electric glory. I think this this will be really good.
0: One last thing before, uh, before we go, you know, uh, while we've been recording this, uh, something popped up in my Twitter feed. Um, Reuters report that, uh, uh, an electric Hummer could be part of GM's move into EV trucks. Oh, I just
2: um, saw that too. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. So, uh,
0: you know, <laughs> yesterday, um, or I guess Wednesday night, uh, GM and the UAW reached a tentative agreement for a new contract and, you know, the, the union is getting ready to do the ratification votes. And part of that agreement is that, uh, uh, GM is going to retool the Detroit Hamtramck plant, Detroit Hamtramck plant, uh, to the tune of three billion dollars um, to build an electric uh, electric trucks and SUVs, and uh, it's not quite clear you know what that three billion dollars you know how much of that is for retooling it doesn't seem like it should be that much you know more like maybe a billion to tool the plant uh so they're probably including the product development costs in there but there's been some speculation for a while that uh, GM might revive the Hummer brand Uh, and so you know there's a possibility that this electric truck could be branded as a Hummer, which would be ironic, given that you know the Hummer. You know, before it was killed off a decade ago, you know, was sort of the uh, the anti-green vehicle. You know, it yeah. was it was the whipping boy for everybody promoting green transportation.
2: Right. Well, and uh, Hummer just seems like kind of an odd name for an EV. Like it's got to be whiner because the EVs whine; they don't hum. I I, mean,
0: I guess they hum. of uh, Not necessarily. You know, uh, a lot of newer EVs, you know, have more of a hum to them than a one. Okay. Uh, since since EVs are, you know, are going to have to have artificial sound now, um, you know, at, uh, when they're driving around at lower speeds, you know, to alert pedestrians, you know, you could certainly make it hum. That's true.
2: That's true. I, you know, I think this is a bad idea. I think it's a good way to just torch about a billion dollars to establish a brand that, or like reestablish a brand. Just, just – make it make it a chevy and be done with it (laughs) if you want to make an electric truck put in your volume brand and sell as many of them as possible don't waste time energy and money getting distracted that would be my uh advice to
0: you know that's that's what ford's planning to do with the f-150 so
2: yeah i do that makes sense you're not you're not splitting the market that way, and you're not—you—you you, you hurt yourself when you try that. It may may sound good, but I—I I think too like there's less of that Prius effect now than there was in the past, where you needed to have a separate, very distinct product for the electrified car. I don't think that's really the case anymore. Like, we see the same, you know, you see the the BMWs that are, uh, you know, the plug-in version of the X5 is the, basically the same exact thing as an X5. It's just, you know, they're sold, they're sold right alongside each other, is what I'm saying. Like, and, and Volvo, we just talked about the XC40. So, yeah. it, you know, it, it keeps that consistency. You know what you're getting. You just, it's like...
0: In the days yeah, of. I mean, Audi's using eTron, uh, Mercedes right. is using EQ for their electrified vehicles. And um, yeah, you know, I think it, it makes sense to keep it part of the mainstream.
2: Yeah. So please don't do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which, you having said that, means that that's exactly what they're going to do.
2: Yeah. Well, they don't listen to me. They, Uh, Nobody has made me, um, in charge of a car company or branding or anything or any of that. Um, but really I think they could have great success if they listened to all of us. You know, I think we, we are the sensible ones here in the industry. We get to deal with their product and then try to unravel their decisions as we try to actually use the thing that they designed. (laughs) So, uh, it'll all be fine. Just please just make, make the EVs and don't cost yourself money uh, that you can't afford. Yeah. Um, Oh, and you know, before we go, actually, I wanted to talk a little bit. I wanted to, to uh, recount my experience because I, I dropped my Android phone and shattered the, 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 the face of it, shattered the screen. And so uh, because I find it offensive to spend too much money on phones, I cross-graded to an iPhone 8. And I was really excited. No, I wasn't. I was <laughs> moderately interested in using Apple CarPlay. So I I got to say after a little bit of trying I I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um it, it, well and, and you're on Android Auto. So it, is that like customizable? Can you adjust no. sort of
0: No, it's just it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I, you know, I have, I have an older iPhone that I keep around for testing purposes, um, that, uh, you know, just, just to try out, you know, as updates come out to Apple CarPlay, um, and evaluate it. And yeah, I mean, I, I personally prefer Android auto to, to CarPlay, especially the new version of Android auto. They recently, a few months ago, they, uh, totally revamped the interface and works, works even works a lot better now. Um. But, uh, you know, Android, you know, Google's uh, voice recognition works so much better than Siri. You know, it just it does what I want it to do.
2: Well, so that's the sort of biggest sticking point is I don't want to deal with Siri. And you can't really get anything out of CarPlay if you don't have Siri enabled. And then when you have Siri enabled, she starts talking to you when you don't want her to talk to you. Like, I'll get yeah. a text message and they'll tell me.
0: Siri is verbose. And I noticed you used the term she there. Which is something I've always been troubled by. Referring to any of these voice assistants, you know, either as a she or a he, you know, uh, you know, whichever voice you choose, you know, it's 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 a program. It's an it.
2: Right, it's not- but it's so the the choice of it being a, a woman's voice is this odd little bit of ingrained sexism, right? Where the 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 woman electronic servant. Or the electronic servant is a woman. Like, doesn't that seem like that, that, that also
0: bothers? Or, 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 or maybe it's that, um, you know, that they, they think, and we'll have to get Rebecca in on this next time. Um, but, you know, maybe I think part of it is the, the feeling that men are more likely to listen to a woman's voice, um, you know, when, when getting <laughs> traffic directions and things like that, than a, another, another man's voice.
2: Isn't that the classic trope, though, where the guy won't listen? to his wife and won't take direction you know won't, won't
0: well, but that's the thing it's not it's not his wife
2: oh uh, that's true that's i you know i i don't know um i think you you may be onto something
0: but but regardless of, of you know what the voice sounds like just the idea of referring to uh you know a, a digital voice recognition system as he she or whatever you know it's an it it's well, a program it's an it's an algorithm.
2: Yes, but we're, we're humans. We're, we're prone to anthropomorphize. Um, that's true. We do it to our pets. We do it to our cars. Like it's just, it's but just our pets have genders. That's, that's true. Our and they cars have personalities. Um, yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, but, but, but to your, to your original point, uh, <laughs> Siri, Siri is definitely more verbose than, uh, you know, and, it, you know, it gives, it tries to be funny and, and, you know, give you some smart ass, you know, remarks sometimes and, i I just find it cloying
2: yeah i i was not I'm not that impressed i'm I'm disappointed that I can't make the thing do what I want the thing to do um like i I have to and, and you know i I can't use the phone functions if I'm on carplay because Siri is disabled, but I can pick up the phone and use it on the like it seems totally against uh what you would want that system to be doing like it's supposed to be a safety advance but if i don't have Siri enabled um i have to pick up the phone and and use the phone to dial a call which is backwards so i i default it back to bluetooth and i can do all the things that i want to do through the infotainment system that's in the cars with bluetooth and it's like i can make calls i can get to my my podcast apps and stuff that way and it's just it's better so
0: well if you want android auto i've still got that nokia (laughs)
2: <laughs> I went through the pain to transfer everything to to Apple iCloud. So I mean I had an iCloud account, but it's just yeah, I I need to settle down. I was angry. The first couple of days, (laughs) because there's no like there's no back button. I don't like the Apple interface. There's the UI is is uh, it may have been really streamlined and refined at one point. But now there's there's extra wasted motion. I have to click on stuff to get the interface buttons to do the thing that I want to do where, you know, on the Android, I had a back button. So I could on Android 10, the back button has gone. Oh, is it?
0: But it actually I think it actually works really well because you sweep in from the side to go back. And yeah. so it's actually easier to use it one handed because I can I can do that, that swipe gesture um, with my thumb and go back instead yeah, maybe, of trying to reach across.
2: Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I just I don't understand. all no, the swipe gestures. That, that, that just might be. Yeah, it could be. Oh, well, you know what? We should have people weigh in on that, whether or not I'm the problem. And then we can leave the podcast at that for the week. Let,
0: let us know <laughs> if Dan is the problem.
2: <laughs> all right. Thanks.
0: All right. Bye. Talk to you next time.